Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into Pastor John's sermon from the Sunday before. I'm your host, as always, Cody Kitchen, and my partner in crime, always joining it's a great time is dr john hall uh, good afternoon everyone thanks for joining us all 12 of you that's right hey might be more this week i hope so yeah, yeah. i hope so words out from what i hear that's right the yeah. title of the message from this past sunday was praying for our church yes and we looked at one verse romans 10 yes. verse 1 um, it was a really good message and Thank you. um i think a really almost like a B12 shot even of encouragement for I've heard multiple things of very good things and just how it was encouraging. So Thank you. I hope that continues to pulse through our church and that we just remember to pray for the lost and mm. may we be a church that prays for the lost yes. in the heart. And so I know that was the heart of the message. And uh, before we get into it though, what are some things that came to mind as you prepared this message? How will the church respond to a message that isn't in Luke? <laughs> so we'd been in Luke for since October of 2020, and I concluded that series on the 20th of August of 2023. Um, so when you do some standalone messages, um, you, you always have that concern coming off a long series, how will the church respond? But that one verse, it's so packed. Mm. There's a lot there. And I have two more standalone sermons before I get into our next book series. And so that was what was going through my mind. You know, what do you preach on a standalone message to our church? So my thinking was it's good to have a timely reminder of our responsibility and duty to make Christ known. And are we doing that? And are we doing it thoughtfully and intentionally? And we just all need to be reminded of it because all of us, myself included, get caught up in just the the grind and the schedule and the demands upon my time and life that if we're not careful and thoughtful about it, we'll drift away from our responsibility and joy uh, to oh. tell others about Christ. So that was what was going through my head. That's good. And I, it's like perfect timing, too, with just kind of the where we're at as the church and mm -hmm. our, our church here being Field Street. and um, I think what God's doing through you and, and through the church, I think it's just perfect timing and a great reminder. And so speaking of that, of God's timing, you started a question uh, with a question um, Sunday asking, do you believe in God's sovereignty mm. in, in, his, in his word? Yes. And that kind of question shaped the re really the rest of the sermon. And if you couldn't answer that question at the end of the sermon, then you need to go back and listen to it because you did a really good job of unpacking that and seeing God's sovereignty um, throughout the Word because you threw out a lot of verses other than Romans 10.1. Mm. And um, in that, your, your two uh, main realities that you kind of walked us through was the first, that people need to be saved. And we see that in verse 1. So it's only one verse. I'll read it. It says, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And again, that's Paul 
speaking, and um, you kind of gave, gave us the context before that of what is going on, um, and that Paul's expressing his concern for and entreaties to God for the salvation of Israel. And his heart, we kind of revealed his heart to us. And one of the things that you did a really good job is in that first um, reality is showing us the the how heavy sin is and how bad, for a lack of yeah. words, um, truly sin is, and that everyone has sinned, and that the reason why sin is so bad is because God is holy, and he is infinitely holy, and the second thing is that we are unholy, and we're sinful people by nature, and uh, our, our sin separates us from God. You made that point. You even did a solid illustration of talking about the the minister in Australia and how he uh, changed the labels and and again saying that when we dilute sin and the, and the consequences of sin it really creates a worse atmosphere of right. those around us and right. harms us even more and um, and then you kind of your closing point was that no wonder Paul said brothers my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them to be saved and so my question kind of the first question as we talk about is why knowing sin is so serious how can we have a heart that is sensitive to god in the sin that we commit right well sin is such a reality in all of our lives that we must constantly be aware of how dangerous it is and apart from christ it puts us in the most desperate of of situations where we're separated from God, we, mm. we would be condemned by God, and He could, could and would justly condemn us because of of our sin. And it's it's even worse than I described it Sunday. And I mm. thought I labored on that to describe the situation. But when you realize that not only are you under the burden and the guilt and the shame and the weight that crushes us from Adam's first sin and the effect of original sin, you're also crushed and you're underneath the weight and shame and guilt of your own actual sin. Mm. And the book of Romans just lays this out so clearly. It talks about how no one is good, not even one. None of us seek after God. So the news is so bad, and that's... That's why you can more fully appreciate the good news when you know how bad the bad news is. But I think all of us have to realize we are sinners and we are unholy and God is holy, transcendently holy. We can't even comprehend the the utter holiness of God. And Isaiah in Isaiah 6, I think we talked about that in Rut a little bit. Maybe it was Matt's. (laughs) I can't remember. Um, That when Isaiah came in, he was in the temple, and God entered into the temple, and he was in the presence of God, and the angel said, what, holy, 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 and then his first response was, oh, woe to me, I'm ruined, which is code for I'm a, I'm a dead man. Mm-hmm. Because he said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. So in modern vernacular, I'm a sinner and a, and a terrible one, a, a dreadful one. And so when we realize what sin does, and how desperate a situation it creates for us, and, and, it, and a problem it creates that we cannot solve. Only God could provide the solution for the trouble we're in because of our sin, the problem it creates. So I, I think 
the most thoughtful, loving, first order of business acts we take as God's people is to confess our sin, mm-hmm. keep our sin confessed before God, keep the accounts short, yeah. and and spend the time necessary. And it's awful. I, I don't enjoy confessing my sin, not even one time. Now I enjoy the benefit of forgiveness right. and the assurance of His grace and mercy, but confessing sin is not fun or pleasant. Nobody enjoys that. But I think it's an absolute necessity for our relationship with God. And, and he says, you know, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Wow, what a promise. So I think that's very important to remember for all of us to keep our accounts short with, with God. Yeah. And sin just messes everything up. He can't even look on sin. And it's just, why? Because he's holy. And we have this sense of God that, eh, he's not real bothered by some sins. It's just a little bitty sin. Nobody got hurt. You know how we rationalize, yeah. justify our actions? Man, God's just utterly opposed to sin. So much so that, like I said in the sermon, the cross bears forth evidence of his grace and severity, his love and justice at the same time. So when you look at the cross, you're seeing so much more than what we think about. It's, it's, it's everything. Then you have to have the resurrection. So that kind of makes it all work um, in some divine way. But yeah, sin is so serious. I can't stress that enough. And I think there are probably far too many churches and preachers today who just don't want to don't want to preach on it because it's right. it's not going to fill the building right nobody came to church Sunday going oh brother John preaches a message on sin I love that I doubt it yeah. <laughs> I'd be surprised I mean our people are they love the word and they'll hear it but it was painful sure for me too to to prepare the message to preach it anyway that's yeah. a few thoughts about that no that's good and I heard this a long time ago when I first came to Christ uh, from uh, one of my buddies of saying, you know, when we, you, you, you touched on forgiveness and that we should, you know, keep a short list and mm-hmm. be confessed. And one of the things that really stuck with me and has stuck with me is when we confess as believers and when we come to him, he uses that forgiveness so that we can be more and more like him. Mm-hmm. And that reminder of, of that, of, yeah, it's scary to come and confess in the sense of, because we know we've done wrong. We know it was a sin against God. But that moment and that forgiveness he gives us is just another thing to shape us to be more like him. Yes. And because we're far from it sometimes, especially in our sin. And um, even as believers, as people sometimes go down that path. But in that, it's always such a good reminder to come back to of, of we have a Father who has forgiven us. Mm-hmm. Um, and not so that we can sin, but his forgiveness to teach us and mold us to be more like him. And yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm so grateful God is forgiving and patient. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that's for sure. You then transitioned in that people need to be saved from the sin, and so we see another reality. And that second reality is that God is the one who saves. And I 
I love that you touched on this and still using that verse one. And you asked the question that I think a lot of people ask. And the fact that you touched it is why does Paul pray to God for the salvation to his countrymen? And kind of in that is why must we pray to God for the salvation of our friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors? And you, you tell us because God and only God through Christ is the one who saves. Right. And, and you went on, and I just thought you did a great job of, of saying that apart from Christ, right, the unrepentant man has no hope to be saved. And no one can save themselves, that it is a work of God and only a work of God that saves. And what's crazy to me even through that is that God allows us to be a part of salvation process with others, meaning that, that he allows us to pray upon, for, to him upon others' behalf. And yeah. When you were preaching on Sunday, as I was watching it online, because we were traveling, but in that I was thinking of, it was just like another duh moment, a aha moment of, well, duh. That is, I mean, we, we get to pray on behalf because we were once there. Mm. God saved us, and now we get to be on behalf of our friends, the ones we love. We, it should be a joy to pray. Sure. You even, even hit on that a little bit. And so my question is kind of talking about that is maybe more personal uh, question is, can you share a time where you have seen God been faithful to your prayers of someone's salvation? Yes, and it is very personal. I would offer as an example the salvation of my children. When he saved our kids, there, there's a joy that, there's a joy coupled with peace that is fairly indescribable. And you'll experience it when your own children come to faith when that time comes. Mm. And I don't really have the words to string together to define the peace that comes when you know your kids are in the Lord, they're in the faith. And regardless of what happens to you or them, they will spend their eternity with Christ and in heaven. Mm. Um, so I suspect every parent who loves the Lord pleads with God to save his children. Yeah. So I would offer that as my example. Um, and, and there's there's a man that I pray for very consistently that God would save him. Mm. I'm not going to share his name, sure. but um, I pray he will. Yeah, I pray for him pretty frequently. I guess he's my one guy that, and there are others as they're brought to mind, and and the Lord's gracious to do that. But one that I've kind of consistently prayed for is salvation since we've been friends. We've been friends a long time. Sure. pray for salvation and don't know that it's happened yet but hmm. um, I do believe prayer moves the heart of God and, and God a person was asking me you know kind of a paraphrase um, the comment was made well God's kind of sorted it all out and, and I, so what is the point of prayer and I think it's a superb question and my response was, well, God has not only determined the end, but he, he's determined the means to that end. So part of the means appears to be the using of his people to work as tools in his hand to draw 
his people to his son, Christ. So why do I pray for the lost? In large part because God has told me I'm supposed to. And Jesus, when he speaks of prayer, it's never if, it's always when. So when you pray, do this. And so you, you, you read Paul's example. Like Here's Paul who clearly says, I'm commissioned to the Gentiles. I, I got knocked off my spiritual high horse on the road to Damascus, and the Lord Jesus recalibrated the trajectory of my life and said, you're going to suffer for me, and in doing so, you're going to take the good news to the Gentiles. But he was still burdened for his Jewish kinsmen. I love that. He never forgot that. Yeah. He never forgot where he came. And even though he was heading in this direction, his heart was in, your heart can be in two places, I right. suspect, because Paul clearly demonstrates he, man, he prayed for them. And, and I believe it was in chapter 9, I can't, nah, or 11, 9. It's somewhere in Romans where he makes that incredible statement that I call it a remarkable willingness that he would give up his own relationship with Jesus if they would be saved. Who would do that? Who would even say that? Paul. Right. So I stopped just short of like, would I say that? Am I there yet? I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to venture into that, but so that, that's my answer to your question. My children. And then of course, this man I'm talking about, I pray regularly for salvation. It kind of adding on, if I may, to the point to, if I, it made me even go back to I know my salvation was a part of, yes, God and opening my eyes, but I, I know very, I know one, and I'm sure there were many, but one lady in particular that prayed for me daily. And uh, it humbles you, and it humbles me, uh, knowing that I had no idea that this lady was praying for me and that God used her in my life and also used her to, through her prayers, God opened my eyes. Sure. And, and so even then, that's a humbling ex- of what we're just talking yeah. about of why would I not want to do the same, knowing that God used this lady who's been an influence in my life, um, do the same as God has asked us to do. Sure. Yeah, I, with joy. And, I think it'll take another world to reveal how God has used the prayers of the saints mm-hmm. to move us in all these directions. Yeah. Salvation. Our calling, you know. And a lot of times we're like, man, my, I pray for this person. I don't see anything happening with them. Uh, it's a colossal waste of time. Yeah. It isn't. It's we good. just don't see it in this realm. And so maybe in eternity we'll be shown. And maybe in eternity it won't matter. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. It's yeah. a good point. You figure it out. Write the book. Yeah. I'll write the foreword. All right. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, you continued in that um, same reality of, of, of kind of bringing in verses and looking at what Scripture says regarding these truths of the acts of repentance and beliefs and how they are re- an act of renewed will and cannot be done um, by who's, who's dead in sin. And again, just bringing the point that Jesus is the one that brings us to, to the Father and um, how he reveals to us. And uh, you, you say that people need, quote, people need to be saved, and it is only God who can save them. We, the church, must appeal to God to save the lost, end quote. And again, it was just a great kind of wrap-up as you started 
wrapping your sermon up of that we must appeal to God asking him to continue to be patient with more people so that more people can repent. Mm-hmm. And I love that heart. Not, not only do I love the heart that you um, preach Sunday, but I mean, that you live that out. And, and so with that, my question is, we're, as we're challenged to pray, and as you challenged us to pray on Sunday for the lost, can you give us maybe some practical ways to pray consistently for those that come to our minds? And I know that kind of seems like a silly question. but yeah, No, it's really not a silly question. It's just a question that has to be consistently put in front of us. And I suppose everybody has a, an approach to prayer that they are comfortable with. And for me, it's... Um, Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, mm. supplication. I use that model. It's helpful to sure. me. And so in my, when I get to that S, supplication part, I, I try to remember to pray for family members that are lost and friends I have and um, that kind of thing. So it's, you know, some people write the names of their lost friends in their Bible or somewhere where they'll see it all the time, you know, like you're on your bathroom mirror. So every morning when you're getting ready, you see the names of your three friends you're praying for. And it's just things like that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just the discipline of I keep my list pretty small, so mm. it's easier for me to remember. You know, if I have a list of, list of 50 people, I will fail them in praying for them all. So I have a couple that I'm more consistent. But I, I think the key is simply remembering to do it and then disciplining yourself to do it. Yeah. And whatever you can do to keep that in front of you, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, put it by your coffee cup every morning so you're reminded. Because we all do things every day. Mm-hmm. Most people brush their teeth every day, uh, and we all appreciate that. You comb your hair every day. Absolutely. You bathe most likely at some point in the day. You eat every day. So. Why not figure out a way that could trigger you to remember, oh, I need to pray for uh, person A mm. for their salvation. So it's not rocket science by any means. and it's, I don't want to suggest you've got to have a formula for it. Uh, or you just drive it down the highway. The Lord puts them on your mind. Then you pray for it. That, you know. yeah. And it's, that takes some learning, too, because a lot of times I think we get these promptings I'd like to believe from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes a prompting is not from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes if it's along the lines of please pray for Cody, he's lost, probably that's from the Lord. And why not just say, oh, Lord, would you please bring Cody to salvation? Let him know the realities of his sin, and the only hope for him is your son Jesus. I mean, I don't want to make it harder because if you make it too hard, people are like, I can't do that. It's not that hard. It's just the doing it. Hmm. And I think the enemy keeps us all busy and distracted, so we won't do it. That's for sure. Because prayer, I think he's very concerned, the enemy, when we start praying. And when we start praying as a church, things get tricky. (laughs) So beware, man. It's been a weird week for me. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I'm just excited. Again, I know I've said this, but you just said it. You know, when a church starts praying, it gets weary. And it, it just makes me excited that this emphasis that we've been going on of 
again, emphasizing of having a higher view of God. And a part of that is praying to a God that we know is, is mighty, holy, um, all the words that we can use adjectives towards sure. God. But, um, and so it's just a great reminder. And my prayer and hope for this message and, or this podcast is that, again, it's just another reminder that how important it is. I'm not perfect at praying. I know you would say you're not either. Not getting close. Um, but just that reminder of any time that we or re- remember as we go, as we're praying, that we do pray yeah. and pray for the lost, and that we reach Cleburne, and not so that we can say Field Street's growing, which would, is great, and I think we would all say we would love that. Mm-hmm. But also, it's for the glory of God. Yes. And that God is using us as His vessels yes. um, to be a part of that. Yeah, I don't know, that it excites me. Yeah, and for and just people's eternal destiny absolutely yeah i mean if the church happens to grow in the process it's that's a wonderful byproduct but and i want that more than anybody but more importantly is for people to be rescued from their sin Amen. yep it's good well final thoughts before we close out yeah final thoughts um i hope people will show up sunday if they're in town i know this is labor day weekend so man the bottom may fall out but I'm bringing a message Sunday called When the Wicked Prosper. And I think this is a very apropos message for the times in, we, in which we live. Yeah. And I'll be preaching from the book of Job. Mm. Yeah, don't miss it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. My it'll family be, will be there. It'll be something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be there. <laughs> and I, right. I look forward to it. But I understand people feel the need to get away kind of the last three-day weekend before you know, we get into the teeth of the fall where you don't have a lot of breaks until maybe Thanksgiving. Yep. But if you're in town, I beg you, please. Well, now for our That Stupid segment. We tell you what's stupid. So, John, what's stupid today? Oh, we cannot fail to mention the GOP debates, <laughs> which took place last Wednesday night. Right. It's stupid on so many levels. So, one was you have eight candidates up there. It's next to impossible to hear anything substantive from all eight candidates. And like you pointed out, I'll let you cover that. Probably the most stupid thing was that the guy that won it wasn't even there, (laughs) which is what you pointed out. It's hilarious. Yes. And when I read that article or saw that, you know, Trump won the debate, I'm like, I had to look it up because I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure he wasn't there. He wasn't. He wasn't. But he won. Yeah. It's like Brett Baer said. Uh, we want to address the elephant that is not in the room. And I was like, <laughs> goodness. But, yeah, the debates, uh, just the formatting, the audience reactions and responses, the way they go after each other. And you, you learn very little. Yeah. You might get, you know, they've all practiced their little political sound bites. So do as the observer of the of the debate, do you – do you sit in your living room and say, ooh, I like that candidate's platform? Well, how do you know? You don't really – there's not a lot of debating right. uh, policy tweaks or positions and why this policy position would be better for the country than that person's policy position. Really and truly, I think they're necessary, and sure. we need more of them to have a discerning mind of – this candidate really is a good candidate for what our country needs at this moment in time. Yeah. But it, it was just, some of it was funny uh, and comical. And then some of it was just like, 
Really? What gets me, and I know someone could probably tear this up and what I'm about to say, but, you know, everyone on that stage for the Republican Party, I'm not going to say is on the same team. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they have the same beliefs because they don't. Right. But they tear each other up yeah. like they are the enemy. And so it just it's always funny to me. I don't know if funny is the right word, but it's always interesting to me, stupid to me, that these guys are tearing each other up when I'm like, y'all believe the same yeah, thing. That's, a, that's such a good point because I think <laughs> that the objective seemed to me that you'd want it to be we need to address the issue of the current mm-hmm. president, being that they're the Republican Party and, and we have a sitting president who's Democrat. Um, seems to me that's what they should be drawing the clear contrast between the Republican platform versus the current platform. Yeah. I don't think that was done very well. No. And I know they don't, they don't, you know, most of them don't like Trump, except Ramaswamy. He loved him. He's a big <laughs> fan. So I, I could care less about what any of them thought about Trump, former President Trump. Yeah. I really was interested in, like, how are you going to help the country? How are you going to be different from the guy who's currently in office and, and make the distinctions and let me see them clearly? And so it, to me it's just after an hour I just – I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it was wild. It's entertaining, though. I will say that. It was. And so on that point, it was entertaining. Good that, television, yes. Stupid, was, was, pretty much. It's all stupid. <laughs> well, guys, as always, we're so thankful for the time that you put into listening. And, again, we're grateful um, that you listen to us every week. And, as always, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Y'all have a great week. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.